You are listening to episode two of the Teaching Matters podcast, a podcast created by the University of Edinburgh to debate and celebrate learning and teaching in higher education. This podcast complements the university's Teaching Matters blog and invites students and staff to engage in topical conversations. The first three episodes accompany the Teaching Matters mini-series on social responsibility and sustainability. In the second episode, we continue the conversations from episode one on climate change which explore if students are facing climate optimism or climate fatalism in the classroom. In this episode, our guest host, Master's student Polly Wells, asks her fellow students Ryan Gilmore, Ellie Ashton and Emily Bankhurt about the roles of teachers and students in tackling climate change through teaching and learning. Happy listening! Um, welcome, uh, I'm Polly. I'm an environmental sustainability master's student at the University of Edinburgh. So today I'm talking to three other students from the university uh, to hear their thoughts on climate optimism or fatalism uh, surrounding the issues of climate change and how that can be tackled through teaching. So are there any ways that you think Edinburgh could be doing more to inspire more climate optimism? Maybe Ryan wants to go first. <laughs> yeah, inspiring climate optimism. I I think Edinburgh is doing a good job in certain courses and certain um, ways of learning. I, really, I've all when I feel empowered is when I can see myself designing something practical or showing something that has like real world application. Um, and I think. Not all courses can be that because you need fundamentals before you can go out and, like I said before, designing the hydropower project or whatnot. Um, So I think building up to that and then allowing you to show that that you can do something practical that has, um, yeah, real-world applications is is important for me to feel empowered. Um, Maybe I could ask you guys, do you feel like... Ellie, the the social media side of thing is rallying the troops in some way, but maybe not having so much direct action. That's a really good point and a really good criticism of armchair activism because, of course, if you're sitting in your armchair, you're not really doing anything. Um, So I I think a lot about this because, of course, we've got an armchair activist in the White House at the moment and I wouldn't say that all the work he does is all that great. Um, So we have to be careful about not just shouting our mouths off on Twitter and um, not really putting in place things that we believe in. We mustn't underestimate the power of simply seeing an image, making it through uh, the the selfies and the the travel inspo, and seeing reading some statistic or seeing a photo from a rally, and seeing some glimmer of light that other people are interested in things that you're interested in, that inspire you and make you realise that there is a community of people out there who are engaging with these issues, and that you can too. Um, and I try to use social media as a positive addition to my activism rather than the sole activism that I choose to engage in. Um, But I think it's really important we have voices online and there are so many uh, influencers and bloggers who are starting to talk about this as well as TV presenters like I mentioned Stacey Dooley earlier who are starting to use these spaces as a way of inspiring people to get involved in these issues, uh, you know, social justice in in every form. Um, And that is really exciting because I think that the reason why we must be climate optimists is because 
pessimism and fatalism has no energy behind it. If people are miserable about their future and their outlook, then why would they want to get out of their armchair and go and do anything else? But if they're optimistic and they really think that there is a possibility that we can change things for the better, then they will engage in activism better with more energy, more excitement, more communication. Um, so I think it does play a really important role. So do you think that the university should be utilising social media more and more? Yeah, but I think it does really well. Uh, I was really impressed, obviously, as a first year. Um, this is my, I've ha only had you know, just over a semester of experience at the University of Edinburgh. But in the year that I was applying here, I was so excited to find that their social media channels are really well used and that they've got great YouTube videos, great Instagram. They're using their stories really well, uh, the Instagram feature, the stories. And that is great. Um, in, a, in terms of sustainability, I would like to see more to do with that. I mean, it, it might be that I just haven't come across it yet but it would be really exciting to be hearing more about what sustainability issues the university is working towards tackling I know that uh, things like the keep cups that they're selling in the student shop on campus they're really popular so perhaps there could be something like featuring people using their keep cups every week instead of throwing them away uh, I mean that's a really popular choice a lot of students are making now and that's facilitated by the university so perhaps that could be across social media and just saying you know look students are are engaging with these issues but yeah I think the University of Edinburgh does a really good job of using social media but I know obviously education or places of education have to be a bit careful about how sort of political they come across and I think sustainability can often be tied up in a sort of uh, you know liberal lefty rah-rah let's save the planet kind of attitude but this is something that does affect everybody and so I don't think that schools and universities should feel limited and not able to discuss these issues online because I I think they've got a duty too, just as we all do. So my master's programme is part of the School of Geosciences, but it is very much sustainability focused. Should there be a school of sustainability uh, for teaching? There is already a department of social responsibility and sustainability at the university. Do we think that they should start to dissolve the other schools and integrate them more holistically. Yeah, it's a really interesting idea. I think that um, uh, a university is the place where we are supposed to at least begin to become experts in something. So I don't believe in, in totally moving away from having um, a, a school of divinity, for example, um, because uh, we need experts in society. Um, we need people making decisions uh, on behalf of the country and the planet that have studied something for a really long time in our academic and I think that is really important but um, the accessibility to social justice issues is something that universities must do more of and I think the University of Edinburgh does do really well uh, we've got a great range of societies like Ryan was saying that are engaged in sustainability issues um, as well as other social justice issues um, and uh, I think that students are engaging with them more and more but you can only have more of a good thing and uh, you know more talks would be fantastic I'd love to have more guest lecturers coming that aren't solely sort of through a society membership for example and that are coming to speak uh, on the platforms that we have around around the university uh, that anybody can go to for free you know I know this is a bit of a big ask but I just think that um, the education shouldn't just be happening in the lecture theatres because even though we're not just here for education I think you're so right Emily it doesn't just need to be the kind of thing that like quote-unquote nerds are excited about this is something that everybody could be excited about and engaged with and um, 
there's so much more to university than just waking up for a 9am or getting drunk in the pub afterwards you know it can be uh, such an exciting process of learning lots about lots of things Oh, I think I think both are trying to jump in now. Who wants to go no, first? You can go first. Emily? You, you seemed really provoked at the first. <laughs> no, like just uh, in the beginning, I, I was because I'm I I wouldn't be a fan of having like a school of sustainability because of um, what I said earlier. Like I think it's really something that needs to be integrated. And if you look at businesses, they are most effective with implementing some kind of environmental management system. Um, if if it is something that is part or like. A fundamental of every decision making so I like I would agree with what you said after with like you need these experts so you don't want to like you don't want to get rid of like the school of geoscience at all like you know but um, <laughs> at the same time I do think that the University of Edinburgh could do certain things better so so I, I'm I really lo- love the fact that they have this kind of the social media thing with like oh you can become like an energy campaigner or like even just having a website where they're like saying their statement about sustainability is great and other universities should really like take an example on on that and um also the whole thing with like in what the university invests in so the university of edinburgh doesn't invest anymore in fossil fuels as far as i know but i think a lot of other universities still do so that's maybe the first thing they can do um and for edinburgh i think for example something like what banks they recommend to new students. Like, all the banks they recommend, I think, most of them still do invest in fossil fuels. So yeah. you can, like, save, you know, not eat meat anymore, cycle everywhere. But if you have your money at a bank that still invests in, like, fossil fuels, then, yeah, like, your impact is kind of, like, yeah. very small or, like, in that case, very big. Um, so I think that's one thing. And uh, you were talking a lot about, encourage, like, Ali, you were talking a lot about encouraging students I think something like telling people when they write a dissertation that they can make this relevant to somewhere, some some company, some organization, and facilitating like them working on a project that is a real project. Ryan, you said something about that as well. That um, students are not like, oh, I'm you know, I'm doing this theoretical research. I'm sitting at home, and then it's just gonna I'm gonna dump it when I graduate. No, like if you if you help students to actually make their projects relevant. Um, to the world, then they they not only get like a much more realistic perspective on it and are better equipped for their job, but also get actually more more engaged, more motivated because it has a higher impact than just you know a dissertation. So um, and lastly, um, having something like an MUN, like a Model United Nations, about um, or like just discussions where where so you have inspiring events. You do already have inspiring events at the University of Edinburgh, but having more events where students come and discuss because. Um, we had this IPCC event in October and then in the end there was space for discussion where students could stand up and then suddenly, you know, like you had someone saying something controversial and everyone's hand went up and it's just like, man, we could just be here and have an intense discussion and this is where you actually take something from. So, yeah, it would be great to have more space for that. Okay, right. I think one day, one day, really optimistic, <laughs> um, there, there will be sustainability ingrained in enough subjects that um yeah like you guys are saying there will still be a requirement for experts but that everyone is attuned to it uh, i think that's probably reiterating what you were saying um i think you also made an interesting point emily about the um making academic work relevant to industry and um, that's something that i think the school of engineering does very well is that all of our um mechanical engineers are all going on in some kind of industrial placement electrical engineers are very much encouraged to do it um, and if you can find 
yeah, that that balance between doing some meaningful work and also learning at the same time, then that's super important. Um, one thing I'd love to add is that um, I think it would be really cool if instead of having uh, like a big module that we have to do on sustainability as part of our degrees, if it was included as um, a sort of natural angle to have a look at, you know, obviously for a humanities student, uh, it's quite natural that we would look at something like sustainability as part of my religious studies degree, because I think in the future we may have issues with things like forced migration, and that has a big impact on religious communities. So that's something that perhaps when I'm having a career, that's something that's going to be in the press and the media. And uh, it'd be great if the curriculum could reflect the fact that many of us will have to wrangle with sustainability issues uh, when we're older and when we've got careers. Um, Because Ryan, for instance, like engineering, I'm sure will be uh, influenced by the demands of the climate at the time. And uh, for instance, even um, cars no longer running on diesel by, what was it, 2020 or something like that. So I'm sure your profession will be shaped massively by the climate regulations, um, as will mine, but even though we do very different subjects. Yeah, I think it it seems as if just when you're talking about your subject, I I was almost surprised to see that it fits so easily within your subject. I would think engineering, of course, I went through a few years of studying it and I can see the links like very clearly that we need to focus on this and I'm studying renewable energy so it's it's got a big bias towards sustainability. I wonder if you think all courses would just have that natural drift towards needing to consider sustainability. I'm trying to think of an example that doesn't. Uh, my undergrad, <laughs> which uh, w- wasn't at Edinburgh, so shouldn't really go too far into that. But I, I mean, with my undergrad, we didn't learn context. I, I didn't understand anything beyond, basically, if we were looking at anything beyond cellular level, it was uh, just looking at an organism. Um, so I don't understand, I didn't understand the greater political context or the social context of the research that we were learning about. And so all of a sudden, when I realised, oh God, I don't want to be doing that anymore. What do I want to be doing? Uh, That's when sustainability came to the forefront. But perhaps by kind of based on what you guys are saying, it sounds like maybe in a couple years, maybe a master's in environmental sustainability wouldn't need to be a subject because people would already have those skills from their other degrees. Emily? Um, I'm just wondering, um, or like kind of trying to be critical here because you can study something like the water crisis in Cape Town and still not like come out of this without actually caring without mm-hmm. actually being like oh I am there's this huge problem and I want to contribute to solving it I'm, I'm just questioning how do we make people not only learn about issues like that so like have this environmental anger that we were talking about in all the subjects but actually take that as an invitation to relate their career maybe to something um, that can solve, you know, contribute solving. Yeah, I think personally my answer to that would be like very strongly backed student societies. Of course, I'm very biased and I am my devotion to engineering for change. But I think that way of making something fun but outside the classroom is the way to... uh, inspire the real 
finding the meaning behind what you're learning. I think it's great if lecturers can do that and courses can do it, and I think it's one entryway, but I think most people as part of the society might say that that was a big way that they've felt kind of more passionate towards the subject area. I don't know if it's the same for for you. I think, Polly, you've came very much from the academic standing as what made you interested in sustainability. Is that right? Um, It was uh, industrial placement. I realised I did not like research. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, yeah, just the interest in sustainability just it it evolved because I suddenly realised it was the common denominator in my interests. Um, and then I realised, oh, oh, I'm doing the wrong degree, but I get one with the right title, um, and that's why I'm here. Um, so, what role do you think teachers have in tackling climate change and inspiring climate optimism? I think they've got to lead by example because if you've got a lecture that's really pessimistic or fatalistic about the outlook for the climate and for society, then everyone's going to sit there in the lecture theatre and just think, oh no, like what are we facing? But if you've got somebody who's really energetic, they're saying, you know, even just as like a side note, oh, this is a really interesting resource to go and look at or a really interesting article you could read, um, making use of the online learn and blackboard um functions so that they could be posting interesting articles that they've read that relate to the course. Um, I know for my course a lot of my lecturers use that really well and so that if there is a podcast that is relevant um, but could sort of segue into into our course then they'll recommend that because what I'm finding as just only now into my second semester at university is that it's a much broader look at my subject than I expected it to be and I think in part that's because we're in Scotland so I am doing lots of little bits of everything in a way. But also it is just sort of trying to make sure you are a well-rounded person, or at least you are in the humanities uh, area. But I think partly um, leading by example, but also uh, giving students the platform, like you were saying, Emily, just giving students the opportunity to speak. And I think all too often young people are spoken for by people who are currently Mm -hmm. making decisions uh, in the UK. I mean, uh, I know with the Brexit referendum, many young people weren't able to vote. I personally was, but uh, it's... It's disappointing to see that our decisions really aren't being uh, heard or, or understood well by people who are older than us. So I think if lecturers and teachers do give us the platform and allow us to contribute to our course, um, it is, after all, the world that we'll be living with when you know they are old or gone, which is morbid but true. <laughs> <laughs> Emily? I think one thing is that lecturers should not assume that students don't want to learn or that they don't want to work. Because I did have courses where we never used the full time of the lecture or we never were given any any homework or we never were encouraged to do more than is just expected. Um, and I think, like you say, Ali, like if a lecturer is enthusiastic about the topic, it's not like just reading out slides, it's... Um, saying like, oh, you should do this presentation and come on, we do this group work and kind of getting rid of this thing of you only do what's in the curriculum and you only do what is like what you have to deliver and what has been graded, then slowly we can have like a culture where people actually do things because they're interested in them and they they are motivated to go to school because they actually learn what they like to learn and can kind of, you know, go beyond what is expected, but by themselves, not by being forced by, by the teacher. So... I think a good teacher is more a facilitator rather than a teacher. So it's not someone who poses the views on the students, but more someone who's inviting students to get into the discussion and kind of, 
you know, there's so by now there's so many innovative methods of how you can teach and the the lecture ideas is very outdated, even for big groups of people. And when you take responsibility for your education, that's when you start to be motivated. So I think that's something that needs to be facilitated. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think to go on that point that you made, Emily, that um, I've spoken to some lecturers just before the podcast to try and find out how they think about this kind of issue. And the courses that I've really enjoyed, they have said that they never gave us any of the answers. They just kind of ask some difficult questions and are like, well, hopefully you can find a solution. And of course, they are there to, to guide you in things. But I like the angle you were going at that to give us the challenge don't assume we don't want to work challenge us and all those things but I'm curious if that's because we are the well not the nerd so to speak as you were (laughs) calling yourself or all of us earlier (laughs) I'm curious if that works across the board of course we're here in our own time to talk about sustainability so those kind of points are super interesting for us and we are engaged but is there a kind of some question about engaging the whole of the university or is it not important? Um, yeah, I, I think it's a really good question. Um, I do think it would be it would be valid for anyone, but this goes then down to education of like high school education because already in high school you are taught to like kind of shut up and like when you have a question it's like, no, we are going to have to move on. So so if, if high school education would change already, people would maybe come to university with a different motivation. Because I think still the problem is that a lot of people go to university because they want to have this certain job or like their goal is later to have maybe so enough money to buy like a house and then have a family and have a car. And so this goes back again to the fundamental question of what is like, what do we want society to look like? So I, I think I think like if we go in that direction of we, we need to look at more than just university, like it, it starts very early, right before like we are 18 and go to uni. Um, and that comes from the challenge that I think faces anybody uh, who's teaching or lecturing uh, in through education, which is how do you teach a child or a student empathy? I think that um, young people really, they're not going to be engaging with social justice issues uh, or climate issues or basically anything at all that involves other people if they can't empathise with them. And young people are growing up, uh, often they're not spending as much time talking to other people, increased screen time. I mean, this is hypocritical of me because I know I've been banging on about how great social media can be but I think uh, if they're not interacting with each other then um, and struggling to develop empathy and empathy skills then lecturers are going to have a real problem on their hands saying this is something big and exciting and you should all be engaging but if people are just scrolling and and not engaging not empathizing um, and currently this is something that um, in the west we're living in generally and I speak from my own personal experience and not for everybody else but um, from a position of privilege where the issues that the planet is already experiencing and increased temperatures and wildfires, things like this, it's not affecting my life. So why should I care about Mm -hmm. the people whose lives it is affecting? Um, And that is something that lecturers are going to have to figure out a way to to handle and to address. So I think that empathy, that key thing of teaching empathy to people who may not currently be engaging or currently be interested even, that that will be one of the biggest challenges for lecturers to face because why should we care? And is the answer to that interdisciplinary group work or pushing people together and saying, go solve it together? Well, I'm a first year, so I'm not going <laughs> to pretend to have all the answers. <laughs> but uh, yeah, maybe. 
I, I would say that for me that that would be the answer. Um, yeah, it makes you makes you see the the problem from someone else's perspective. I have to think about what the civil engineers care about, what the mechanical engineers care about. But one thing I think that um, is maybe a barrier, and I'm interested to hear what the kind of teachers have to say on this uh, when they talk a little bit later, is that interdisciplinary learning maybe has to be kept within the schools. I, I don't know. Um, does it become incredibly difficult once you are like, OK, Ryan, as an engineer, go pair up with the business students? I think, yes, it makes it difficult for me and it challenges me, which is a good thing. But is it? are there too many barriers within the university to make it happen? I don't know. That's... That would be so interesting if we could have a more symbiotic relationship between the different schools while still having the schools. Um, my boyfriend is uh, a mechanical engineer and the way that he learns and the content that he learns is so different to what I learn. But he will still be interested in interfaith issues and sustainable issues growing up. Um, and just as my world will be shaped by mechanical engineering. So I think perhaps if on every level, both from the lecturers and the schools and the curricula, uh, to also the students, and the way students are engaging with each other. If we could have more of a discussion, a cross-disciplinary uh, discussion um, about the issues that we'll be facing as we grow up because in one way or another, we'll all be working together. And so it doesn't matter if we've never studied together. I think that conversation really needs to happen. So what role do you think students have in tackling climate change if we're going beyond the teaching uh, very specific, narrow courses, what role do you think students have in broadening their knowledge and developing their empathy skills? Do you think that that is something that they should be taking on themselves? Um, I think it's very easy to take it on yourself. I mean, I have a smartphone, so uh, I'm able to access any resource I like that's online and through social media. I'm able to interact with um, people who have done the research. They've you know, conducted studies, they're politicians, they're writing about things. So frankly, I don't think young people have an excuse to not be engaged with, the, with these issues. Um, empathy is a lot, it's much harder than that because you can't just you know, follow one Instagram account and suddenly be an empathetic person. But I think the more experiences you're hearing and the more stories you're you're being open to um, particularly a lot I think a lot of the time when young people come to university they're suddenly engaging with far more people and far more experiences than they ever have before so that's a great thing but uh, also I think it it can come down to other things like I mentioned earlier um, Netflix and the the many ways in which we consume the media today it's not dictated to us in the same way that it has been before where you know you might grow up reading the same newspaper your mum and dad read. Now through uh, a combination of all of the different ways we can access information and, and all of the different people we can talk to, it's up to us to, to be able to educate ourselves in that sense as well as what we receive in the classroom. And I think that young people aren't as apathetic as I think a lot of people assume us to be because we can engage with so many different issues now and frankly it just isn't fashionable uh, to not care about these things. I think that apathy just isn't cool anymore and I mean Perhaps it's just because in my social circles we're, we're engaged and we're interested. But um, if you see somebody walking around with a load of Tesco bags hanging off their arms that, you know, they spent 5p on each, it, it just you think, why not just buy a cotton bag? And obviously there are issues with cotton as well. I won't go into that. But, um, 
you know, when you can learn, why wouldn't you? And we're not talking about uh, sitting in the library going through a, a huge book with uh, a load of numbers and figures in it that you don't understand. It's about, you know, looking at stuff on, on platforms you use every day. It's about turning on the TV and seeing someone really cool teaching you about something interesting. And then when you take that on board, um, I think it really it changes student culture. I know that um, fast fashion is something a lot of people are less interested in today because look at all the vintage sales we have at university. Secondhand clothing is cool and exciting and it, it people feel way better, I think, often being able to say, oh, I got it at a vintage stall or I got it off Depop because there's a little, there's pride in that and people are excited and it's fashionable and it's cool. Um, and I'm really excited about that. <laughs> So, Ali, I agree, like, loads of people have, the, like, the access to social media, so everyone should have the responsibility to educate themselves. If you're in a position of going to university, you will even more have the responsibility to educate yourself and make use of that privilege to, to be at university. I do think that a lot of students, especially with the issue of climate change, are very overwhelmed. It's very difficult to get into if you are not either brought up in a way that you got in contact with earlier or kind of have the, the friends who talk about it. So I'm, 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 I'm saying everyone has the responsibility, but I'm saying for some people it's harder than for others. And I, I think the least we can do is to, to talk about it and to have the courage to then be like, all right, I know nothing about it. I feel very uncomfortable with the topic, but I'm going to go with my friend to this lecture on the IPCC report, for example. Um, and kind of, I think the responsibility in that sense lies more in us having the courage to get out of the comfort zone and to be curious rather than, you know, knowing the facts and, and just not being afraid of the conversation, which can often be a very emotional one and um, kind of, yeah, try to, to, be, to be critical and kind of engage, really. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan? Yeah, I think reiterating the kind of engage, engage, engage and... Um, I think that comes at kind of all different levels, like you were saying, for maybe the people who aren't so comfortable with engaging with it, then maybe just try and step out of your comfort zone. But then again, if people are quite comfortable about it, like they they care about these issues, and then the university is very good at um, allowing you to go forward with your ideas and things like that. So really taking the time to engage other students is also... I think a responsibility so yeah I would say again engage keep learning more I, I, I'm not sure if there's so much more to to add um, okay well by the sounds of that that wraps up our conversation thank you so much to uh, Ellie Emily and Ryan for joining me today and uh, next episode of the podcast we'll be talking to the teachers learning about their opinions on the challenges of interdisciplinary learning and what they think their role is in tackling climate change and dealing with climate optimism and fatalism so thank you and goodbye um, I was asked to speak on this podcast because uh, Jenny had heard about a podcast that I'm making myself called Change the Conversation. So if you like anything that's being talked about in these episodes about sustainability and climate change, I think you'd like our podcast. So there'll be a link in the bio. Check it out.